One of the most exciting things that happened uh, over uh, these last 18 months is the formation and uh, development of our Earth Care team. And uh, they've been working really hard, and I've named this section a trail update because it's like when we think of ourselves as a base camp, we think of ourselves as going out onto the trails, doing what we're called to do, and we come back and we give each other updates about what we've seen and what we've done and the things that we've um, learned. And so that's why I called this a trail update. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> that, that part wasn't a mistake. However, uh, Spellcheck did call this the earthquake team. And I'm happy if someone feels called to start an earthquake team too, but uh, this is the earth care team. And so Anita and a wonderful team of folks from that team have been working on our uh, page for their website, and they're excited to share about their work with us. Welcome, Anita. Good morning, everyone. What this historic and horrible year of COVID has taught us is how interrelated we all are on our planet and what is truly important. Uh, it became clear to many of us that it is essential to take care of our sacred earth. We've begun we have been paying attention to the dire warnings uh, from scientists about the impending catastrophe of climate change, likely to be worse than COVID and no longer so far off in the future. So Anne Haddon Cornelius, Alice Chang, and I uh, had joined the newly formed Earth Care team last year, and together we wanted to share some of the things that we learned uh, with you all, with our congregation, and with the community. So a few months ago, we set out to create some pages of information about Earth Care and make them accessible through the VPC website. After several months of focused work, we're pleased to announce the availability of these pages to the congregation. Our goal in creating the site was to present some easy to digest and meaningful information to help view the problems and solutions through a filter of faith. We organized our resources around four questions. What can one person do? How can I live my values? How can I join others? And what is VPC doing? You can enter these pages through the VPC EarthCare webpage, uh, and inside our pages you'll learn how to estimate your own carbon footprint, see recommendations for books and videos on the topics, find um, easy and a little bit not so easy uh, things that you can do to help the crisis, like purchasing decisions, food choices, water and energy reduction, and organizations that you might join or donate to. We're offering two 30-minute Zoom sessions of demonstration and discussion in the coming weeks. Uh, the first is on Monday, July 19th, and the second is on Tuesday, July 27th, both at 7 p.m., and the sign-up information uh, for those is in today's uh, email. We hope you'll be able to join us for one of these sessions or just take time to explore the information on these pages on your own. We hope that's easy. We hope we've made it easy for you. Uh, and we hope you'll be inspired by the love and faith that went into creating these resources and that you would want to spread the word to others and perhaps join our efforts. As Greta Thunberg says, and I'm going to paraphrase her a bit, together and united, we can make a difference. Thank you.
the scripture reading today is from Paul's second letter to Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 2 through 10. It is necessary to boast. Nothing is to be gained by it, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, and I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Your power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ will dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. So I'm wondering, are there any Olympics junkies out there? Yeah, a few Olympics junkies. I'm going to um, look and see also on the Zoom call. Any Olympics junkies? You guys can raise your hands if you like to watch the Olympics. All right, I see Pamela and Mary Jo. Great, thank you. Um, I'm curious what your favorite, some of your favorite events are. I'll call them out. Equestrian, yes. Gymnastics. Triathlon. I see another gymnastics in here. Any other? What was that? Diving. Diving. Swimming. Swimming. Olympic golf. Soccer. Track and curling. In the in the winter, of course. (laughs) Um, Track and field coming in. Synchronized swimming. Uh, definitely a favorite of mine. Hurling. So it's such a fun time, and uh, we're about to enter into that. And despite all of the the restrictions around the pandemic and and what's been changing, you know, it seems daily in uh, Tokyo. It's it's a fun um, event, but I think there's also something really deep about it for many of us, because there's something that is so human about the Olympics. There's something about watching people who have been training for years and have combined both hard work 
natural talent and then are in this moment of just luck. Having a daughter who is an equestrian, I can tell you, sometimes that horse does not want to do what you want it to do, even on the best of days, even when you're at top form. Or sometimes you get sick, or sometimes you trip. There's this combination of vulnerability and strength, of strength and vulnerability that comes in the Olympics, that, that appeals to us because it feels on a smaller scale, maybe, like our lives. Most of us aren't Olympic athletes, but our lives feel a lot like that, don't they? We're vulnerable and we are courageous. We fail and we win. We put ourselves out there and we're not exactly sure what's going to come back to us. The Olympics embody this famous passage from a speech that Teddy Roosevelt gave that's been quoted a lot, but I love this, uh, this bit of it. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Let's pray. Oh God, we all long to dare greatly in the games of our own life. We long to live at the edges of where we can go so that we can go a little further. And yet we confess to you our own fear. We confess to you the ways we hold back and we play it safe. We confess our perfectionism and our shame. Open us up, O oh God, to the wholeness that you are inviting us to. And as we listen this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. So this passage that Brett read from 2 Corinthians 12 is, is a little bit of an awkward and weird passage in the Bible. At least I find it a little awkward and weird um, as I've been living with it recently. Uh, the context is, is that Paul's leadership is being questioned that there are what they're call, they call, scholars call super apostles who are asserting themselves and saying why they should have more authority than Paul has. And Paul is trying to defend himself, prove that he has authority. He's left in this really vulnerable position. It's really the dreaded moment of anyone who has ever been in leadership. It's when your leadership is being questioned 
And it seems that those who are critiquing you find the thing that you are most insecure about and most worried to, to question. And you're left with that deep fear that they may be right and they are probably right after all. And yet you're trying to assert what you know is your calling, what you know is your position, what you know you're supposed to be doing in the world. It's a really awkward and difficult position. It's something that makes your stomach turn a little bit as you, as you encounter that. How do you balance strength and authenticity? How do you be courageous and yet vulnerable at the same time? We see Paul flailing a little bit earlier in chapter 11 when he's talking about them and he says, are they Hebrews, meaning the super apostles? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I'm speaking like a crazy person. <laughs> what I've done goes well beyond what they've done. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison much more often. I've been beaten more times than I can count. Kind of hear that Teddy Roosevelt speech in this, right? I've faced death many times. I've received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews five times. I was beaten with rods three times. I was stoned once. I was shipwrecked three times. I spent a day and a night on the open sea. I've been on many journeys. I faced dangers from rivers, robbers, my people, and Gentiles. I faced dangers in the city, in the desert, on the sea, and from false brothers and sisters. I face these dangers with hard work and heavy labor, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food and in the cold without enough clothes. He's done it all. <laughs> Besides all the other things I could mention, there's my daily stress. Because I'm concerned about all the churches. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led astray without me being furious about it? If it's necessary to brag, I'll brag about my weaknesses. Do you feel that pit in his stomach? You feel the awkwardness in what he's trying to do here? Where does he land? And he ends up saying, my best hope is not in my strength and not in the, the badges of honor that I wear. My best hope is in my weakness. And these verses that Brett met, read for us is another awkward moment. Paul is still talking. He probably should have stopped talking a while back. He shouldn't be trying so hard, but he keeps talking. And in this defense of himself, he reveals two personal things, a miracle and a thorn. Now, the miracle is what this mystical experience that he doesn't quite say that he's had, but scholars think he's kind of talking about it in the third person, you know, kind of like how we look at our, you know, our partner and you think, I know somebody didn't, un you know, unload the dishwasher. Um, there's that sense of wanting to distance yourself a little bit from the direct conversation. Um, but he's probably speaking about himself and this mystical experience that he had where he was lifted up into the presence of God and received a revelation that is so sacred that he cannot repeat it. It's a miracle. I don't know if you've had any of those moments that you can't quite explain, where the veil is very thin between heaven and earth, and it's hard to know how to talk about it, and you you feel so deeply loved and connected to God, and, and yet, how do you speak about it without boasting? How do you even begin to explain it to others? 
there's the miracle, and then there's the thorn. The thorn is a weakness. We don't know if it was physical or mental or emotional or spiritual or circumstantial or relational. We don't know what the thorn was. But it seems to be one of those things that nagged at Paul. The things that we know can cause us deep shame. What we now call maybe a disability. Those things that don't go away despite all our prayer, despite all our best efforts. Make it a little better, but never fully goes away. And so here's the great paradox. The same person that is lifted up into the presence of God, can't get that same God through all of his prayer to help him heal from this disability, from this struggle, from this thorn. Speaking of our successes or our most intimate spiritual blessings is difficult. Speaking of our failures is also difficult. And Paul is holding these two things together. I so relate to this. One of the most difficult things for me to do is how to hold the incredible goodness that comes to me in my life through the ways that I have been blessed and gifted through the amazing community and people and privileges of my life as well and hold those as well as those things that just nag at me that are places of deep shame, the things I really hope no one will see or notice or ever know, the things I cannot overcome, the things that make me less than perfect. I hope you can relate to a little bit of that as well. How do we hold these two things? And I'd have to say, like Paul, I'm feeling a little vulnerable this morning. Later in this week, I'm going to head off for a few weeks off. This is the longest amount of time I've taken off in 10 years, about four weeks. But it's also the longest stretch of continual work I've ever had in my life. And I'm torn. In the miracles category, I'm really proud of how we've all dug deep this year. In the last 18 months, we've stayed connected. We've kept the church moving forward. We're now heading into rebooting and recovering the space with courage and strength. I'm proud of our staff. I'm proud of all of you for being faithful, proud of the earth care team, proud of those who've been working on anti-racism. I could go on. Proud of our buildings and grounds team for continuing to take care of this facility. I'm proud of us for continuing to move forward. And in the thorns category, it's hard to take a break. Have you noticed that? It feels really vulnerable to say, I need a rest. I need to lay down. I need, I need some time off. I'm tired, and I'm a little bit at my edge. It's been a rough year. But saying that feels, well, I would, someone else would tell me, and I'd say, of course, that's how you feel. <laughs> it feels really vulnerable to say it about myself. Now, I'm not the only one. I think many of us have our own versions of this right now. We've all been in the arena of our lives this year in a very different way. And we're all needing some rest. And here is where grace comes in. 
I'll reread what Brett read earlier when he said, Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord three times for this thorn to leave me alone. God said to me, my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. So I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. Therefore, I'm all right with weaknesses, insults, disasters, harassments, and stressful situations for the sake of Christ. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Grace meets us in our vulnerability. It's there that Christ's power becomes real. The miracles and the thorns are all held in grace. None of them make us worthy or unworthy. It's God's grace that makes us worthy, that tells us we are enough. I know I often want to just gut it out a little bit more, work a few more hours, spend my days fretting and perfecting things, trying to make up for my weaknesses, rather than seeing them as opportunities for the strength of God to show up, for grace to carry me, for grace to carry us. So in these next few weeks away, I'm committed to resting and recovering in the direction of grace. I'm going to revisit two books. So I wanted to share those with you this morning. Um, They're two books that I've been reading off and on for the last 15 years, 10 or 15 years. The first one is Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection. And this is the 10th year of this book being out. Maybe you uh, read it yourself. But Brene Brown basically is a social science researcher, proves through her research that what Paul discovered in his spiritual journey 2,000 years ago, that it is our vulnerability that makes us strong. This is what it says on the back of the book. She says, Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. The experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. So I invite you to read this with me if you'd like. That's what I'm going to be reading this summer. And the other favorite that I'm picking up again is, um, I have it on my Kindle, so I just printed it out, Um, Everything Belongs by Richard Rohr. This is one of his earliest books. It's still one of my most favorite books. And he talks about the gift of contemplative prayer, talks about how to hold these paradoxes in our life, in our spiritual life. He talks about the spiritual journey through downward movement, trusting grace to carry us. He says this, we do not really know what it means to be human unless we know God. And in turn, we do not really know God except through our own broken humanity. Miracles and thorns. So join me in reading these books this summer and I cannot wait to return Um, and continue to co-create this community that holds our miracles and holds our thorns and our weaknesses, in which grace becomes the air we breathe, the basis of our life together, and the gift we give to our world. Amen. 
So uh, we're going to have an offertory in just a moment. And um, as the musicians come up, uh, there is an opportunity to give online. Um, I think the information is in your bulletin. There are um, offering plates at both the exits here and uh, it's also in the email that was received this morning. After the service today, we're going to have a brief congregational meeting to um, talk about financial business stuff um, as we just have closed our fiscal year and are moving into the next one. So I do invite you to stay if you can, and we're really excited about all of the abundance that, uh, that God is bringing in so many ways to us and look forward to sharing that with you.